City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Buzzer Beaters podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's episode, we will be going over some of the struggles the Mellow Balls faced early in the season, give our thoughts there, maybe some ways that he can fix that. We'll also go over ways that the Hornets can turn around this slump that they're experiencing early on in the season. Without further ado, I'm your host for today's show, Atticus Ferguson. And I'm your co-host, Eric Barnes. Eric, last time we were recording, uh, it was a much different vibe. We were coming off of an opening night victory. I had just left the Spectrum Center. Vibes were very high. Uh, morale was very high. We were in a very good mood. And, and today we're singing a little bit of a different tune. Yeah, things can change fast, man. And uh, it's funny because it feels like the, the city of Charlotte like almost hangs on every game. It, you know, if we win a game, like we're obviously making the playoffs. If you lose a game, it's like, wow, we're going to be the worst team in the league. So it's almost like a roller coaster you're riding. I know I've seen James kind of talk about it on next a little bit, and it's true. It's live and die by every game. So first game was great. The games after to follow, they were pretty tough. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think there's there's reasons to be optimistic if you consider, you know, a lot of different angles of what's going on. Uh, and, you know, of course, we'll jump into that a little bit more here soon. Yeah, I mean, when, when the city has the Panthers, who obviously there's a little bit of optimism after the first win there. But, uh, you know, the city's been starving for a winner and the Hornets deliver on opening night and, and then they immediately go on a skid. The, the pessimism that, you know, is always going to be there with the Hornets fan base mixed with just kind of a, a tough fall for a lot of uh, North Carolina sports fans of all different teams. Uh, it, it certainly it certainly is cause for concern for a lot of people who are who are desperate for a winner. That's for sure. And I think you and I may be included in that group there. Hey, maybe the Hornets are just, you know, trying to do right by the Panthers. You know, they beat them to the first one. So they're like, hey, you know what? The Panthers got a, a winnable game this weekend. They play in the Colts. Maybe they can pull out the second win. So maybe they're just trying to give them that first one, which now that I'm thinking about it, you know, the Hornets play tonight. So 
hopefully that actually doesn't come to fruition. Hopefully the Hornets can pull it out tonight. But um, yeah, it, it's it's been a tough sledding recently, no doubt. Yeah, they're they're being polite and let, letting the Panthers beat them to the second win. Maybe, maybe that's <laughs> what it is. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but maybe that's what it is. That just tells you the current climate of, of Charlotte sports right now. Just nothing's good. Like you, you're really searching for ways to make things positive because right now there's not much to um, not much to shout about from the rooftops right now. That's right. That's right. Well, without further ado, Eric, we're, we're going to try to make this a, a bit of more of a positive podcast uh, on the back end here and try to come up with some solutions and, and some things that can help the Hornets turn the corner and kind of get out of this slump and this funk they're experiencing um, ever since they stepped on the floor for game two. But, you know, the, the big topic this week and for the fan base is obviously it really always is LaMelo Ball. Uh, whether it's, you know, he's on the highs or the lows. LaMelo is always going to be the main story. And, you know, LaMelo outside of maybe a half here or there really hasn't looked like himself early on in the season. Uh, many people are making much to do about this. Eric, I'll let you kind of open it up and give your general thoughts on it before I dive in on, on some of what I think and, and maybe some some things that um, I, I could suggest to him, not that I'm maybe an expert, but some things that I think can help open his game up uh, and help him fall in line there. Yeah, man, it's been rough sledding for LaMelo to this point. And it's tough to watch because really, I know me and you talk off air. I don't think we've seen him play this poorly probably since the beginning of his rookie year. Not even just that first game, just, you know, kind of up and down at the beginning of his rookie year before he kind of hit his stride. And that kind of feels like it's where we're at right now. So watching him struggle, I I think the – the big thing that that's really going on is he's just searching for his shot and what it is, he's trying to find his groove because he hasn't found his groove yet, but that's kind of forcing him to, you know, four shots or making him four shots. Um, you will have to bear with me for this analogy. I don't know how many people have seen the replacements with Keanu Reeves, but there's a scene in that movie where, you know, they're in the meeting room before the game and, you know, the, the coach is asking, you know, what do you fear? And people are naming off stuff and, and Keanu, he gets to the point, he said, I fear quicksand. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. And he goes in a little bit deeper. And what he means is, you know, you you get into quicksand or you get on the field and one thing goes wrong. And then, you know, you, you're trying your best to get out of it. But the harder you try, the more you sink. And when I'm watching LaMelo ball right now, that's really what I feel like is going on. He's not really finding his groove early. And he's trying to get out of it by, you know, making the next play, putting up another shot and make it go in. And then he misses that one. And then that puts even more pressure on him mentally. Like, hey, I need to do my part. I just got this contract. I know our goals this year are to make the playoffs. So and he just keeps trying harder and harder. And that's continuing to this point to not yield great results. So. Hopefully he can just settle down. Um, there, there's uh, something, a little nugget I've got uh, that I'll share a little bit later on this. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's just letting the game come to him and and really just playing and, and making plays that are best for the team instead of necessarily trying to get back in the groove. Like if, if you play within the flow of the offense, you know, all that will come back to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly it. He's definitely forcing shots. You know, when you're in a slump uh, on the court, sometimes it's like, you know, I just need to get the shot up and, and start making some shots. And so that's the only way to get out of it, right? I got to take more shots, make more shots, and, and that's that's the way I'll get out of this slump. Instead of just saying, hey, 
you know, let me allow the game to come to me. Let me facilitate. Let me do some of the small, the quote unquote small things. You know, let me play hard on defense. And once those things come to me, you know, that'll open up the game. That'll open up the shot. And that'll get my confidence up in other areas. That's just not what he's doing right now. He's rushing these shots up. Um, it's, it's almost like when, when you're gambling and you're losing and it's like, okay, well, I got to, I'm, I've lost a bunch of money. I got to throw another bet to win my money back. Right. And then you're just worsening the situation. That's kind of what it feels like with the mellow ball here. It's like he's slumping. He's not making shots. It's like, well, I've, I've got to take another one here and, and get going instead of just saying, Hey, you know, let me make the right play. Let me make the right read. Let me do the small things right here. And it's just compounding. And, and the, the more shots he misses, the worse it's going to be mentally. Uh, I know Lamelo is a pretty mentally tough guy, and, and there's not a lot that wavers his confidence, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But, uh, you know, obviously something's not right with him. Uh, people are, are speculating, you know, a, a variety of things that I'm sure people are seeing on Twitter and maybe on other podcasts. But I just think it really boils down to him not letting the game come to him and and, and just – Again, it's kind of the gambling analogy I gave. He's down a bunch of money, so he just keeps throwing more bets. And it's you know, you had an analogy earlier. I'll allude to one my high school English teacher gave me. It's when you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. And Lamelo keeps finding himself in a hole, and he and he just keeps digging a deeper one. Yeah, and the interesting thing with Lamelo because he's he's taken a lot of these shots that he's been taking this year, and. A lot of times you could say maybe they're not the best shot, right? But he would hit enough to where you'd be like, you know what? It's fine. The issue to start this year, he's not hitting any of those shots. So when you're taking those shots that are a little bit questionable to begin with, um, but they're not falling like you're used to them falling, that's when it starts to look even a little bit worse. Because, you know, last year he was around 10 attempts a game from three and he still shot around 38%. And that was with a lot of those super deep shots, super pull-ups or deep pull-ups. But to this point this year, you know, they're just not going down. Um, But considering what we've seen from him in the past, uh, I'm not too concerned just because large sample size, again, like I I just assume at some point or another, like he's going to find his way out of it. Yeah. And and I do think he's going to find his way out of it, but it's the type of thing where until he does, there's going to be at least a little something in the back of your mind that that tells you to panic and be worried until he turns it around. There is a larger sample size for LaMelo playing at a high level uh, than what we've seen here to start the season to suggest that he will turn it around and will return to form. But again, until you see it happen, you're going to worry about how long it's going to linger and how it's going to impact the team. I mean, Eric, we, we know how much LaMelo Ball's absence in the past you know, typically due to injuries has hurt this team. It, it's essentially like LaMelo's not out there right now. You know, you couple that yeah. with a lot of the other things we're going to talk about later with, you know, uh, absences, whether it's for injuries or suspensions. And now you're essentially like almost playing without LaMelo ball. I mean, this, this, this team doesn't have the bench or the firepower and the starting five or the consistent shooting to be able to withstand practically not having LaMelo ball. And, and, you know, you and I were, were talking off air, uh, and, and I, again, I know we'll get into this more later, but you know, the Hornets just can't get easy shots. It seems like every shot they're taking, is it's so yeah. difficult to, to get up and, and make a bucket. 
And a lot of that come, you know, typically in the past when they're finding easy shots, a lot of that is driven by LaMelo Ball, whether it's his passing ability or just the threat of him driving or doing all the different things he can do. And, you know, not only is he not shooting the ball well right now, in fact, he's shooting horribly, you're not even seeing like many of the spectacular, you know, awe-inspiring passes that he typically makes. Like you're not seeing any of the, you know, typical LaMelo flair right now. Like he's not playing his game in any capacity at all. It's not just that the shot's not falling. Like, you're not seeing, you know, any of the typical LaMelo. Yeah, and I think some of that can be attributed to what Coach Clifford has been saying. You know, he's really only been cleared for contact for about a month. Now, how much of that is the coach protecting, you know, his best player? Um, how much of that is, you know, it's genuinely, you know, something that obviously affects his play? Now, at a certain point, I mean, you – you just got to show up and produce, right? And I, I'm confident that he will do that at some point, but how long can you use that excuse? So I, I expect LaMelo to turn it around at some point, but I do think there is something to the inner injury that Clifford's been referencing. I know I've seen some accounts on Twitter kind of reference like LaMelo's shot form and like when he comes down, he's coming down on one foot and they're speculating, you know, is he really confident in that ankle? That may be true, or you know, that may have just been one of those shots where you know he's kind of fading a little bit. We don't, we really have no way of knowing, but it's just something to kind of think about, you know, as we from the outside looking in, trying to figure out kind of, you know, why is Lamelo not playing like Lamelo right now? Yeah, I, I've seen some of those videos as well. Um, it certainly could be something, whether he's consciously or subconsciously, kind of worried about that ankle, uh, and, and that could be impacting him as well. I really just think that the way out of it, though, is kind of what we've touched on. He's just got to let the game come to him. Just make the right pass. You know, Gordon was saying it uh, in the Charlotte Observer here on, uh, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. I was just getting ready to reference that 100%. Yeah, yeah. He, he was mentioning, hey, you know, telling LaMelo, just just find ways to get your teammates involved, get us going. And, and I agree with that. One, because obviously he's not hitting right now, but, you know, that'll really get the offense humming and then that should open it up for LaMelo. So I, I just think he's got to focus on facilitating. And, and traditionally he's obviously been able to score at a high level, but he's been a pass-first guy. And it's just another sign that he's pressing right now because it seems like he's looking to shoot three-pointers every time he comes down the court and get out of this slump. And he's, it hasn't been a pass-first guy really all year. Um, so yeah. that's just kind of another example of him getting away from this game. Uh, right. And, well, and, and I think that kind of leads us into, you know, the second part of our pod, right? Um, well, yeah, I, I guess we got, you know, a, a couple ad reads to do. Um, not the smoothest transition by me here, but before we get into that next part, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you handle the uh, housekeeping and handle the business. Well, Eric, I, I know you're excited to to spread some positivity and potentially provide some solutions. And and, and speaking of exciting things. I want to talk to you about allhornets.com. This podcast is brought to you by allhornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. Allhornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, allhornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. All right. So, Eric, I, I know we've been theorizing some ideas um, some ways to help out the Charlotte Hornets, some some things that we would like to see. Uh, is there anything that jumps out at you that you really want to start with here? 
Well, first, let's lead off what we were just talking about with LaMelo. How can he right the ship? And this was kind of what I was always going to lead with going into this uh, second segment, which you you kind of mentioned it in your last one, but I'll read off the quote. Um, so this is from Roderick Boone, Charlotte Observer. This is Gordon Hayward talking about LaMelo Ball. He says, I just tried to tell him to stay positive. The thing that I've tried to tell him is he's such a gifted and talented passer. He's got to first think about getting everybody going and getting our team going, getting us some good looks because he can do it at a level that not very many guys can. And then his shots will come after that. And I know, you know, we talk about us talking all fair. We probably talk every day about Hornets basketball. That's something me and you have been talking about a lot. His true gift, his true elite skill is his passing ability. But watching him at times, it seems like he really wants to be like a score first type of player. But I think LaMelo Ball maxed out at, you know, as far as what's best for the team, what's really best for him too, because winning is is what's best for for LaMelo overall as far as his success and what he gets paid and what happens off the court. Um, It's really just becoming that pass first guy. And, And just like Gordon said, I mean, if you do that, your shot's going to come because you get that ball moving. People feel like they're involved, and then it kind of starts becoming a hot potato a little bit, right? Um, and I really like hearing that quote from Gordon Hayward. You know, a lot of people say Hornets need a vet. Hornets need a vet and someone that can lead these guys. Well, something like that I think is exactly the type of thing that LaMelo needs to hear right now, and he needs to hear from someone that's been an all-star. He needs to hear from someone that's had a ton of success from in the league and – and Gordon's kind of that guy. Gordon's not the most outspoken guy, but I think that kind of that quote right there, that's kind of exactly something that LaMelo needs to hear right now. LaMelo is truly the engine to the offense. Yeah. And, and in the past, he's looked for a shot first at times. He's picked his spots. He's done it when he's hot. He's done it when he's being aggressive. But it's always under kind of the umbrella of the defense thinking that he's going to be a pass-first guy, and they're always being that threat. And when you take that threat of LaMelo, the facilitator, away, you know, he's he's really minimized, uh, especially when he's not scoring the ball at a high level uh, in any capacity there. So, no, I, I love hearing that Gordon's kind of stepping up there. People are always calling for the vets on the Charlotte Hornets to, to do more. And, you know, if Steve Clifford were to say something – like that to LaMelo, and I'm sure he may be doing that. I'm sure it would register with him. But for Gordon to come up to him as a veteran, uh, again, someone who's been an all-star like you pointed to and, and point that out, I think it just kind of hits differently, and it's a good perspective for him to hear that from. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm really hoping Saturday night we come out and see LaMelo maybe – I don't know if deferring is the right word, but looking to get his teammates involved, exactly like Gordon's saying. You know, if I see him implement that, and even if he's still struggling to shoot the ball some, but if I see that he's willing to kind of adapt the way he's playing and, and have a different approach, at least in the short term, while he figures out the jump shot and all of that, uh, I'll be very encouraged. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not that we're sitting here saying we don't want LaMelo to ever look for a shot. We obviously do. It's just maybe in the first quarter, the first half, you're looking to involve your your teammates more. Then that kind of gets you more confidence, gets the team more confidence, and you're allowed to pick your spots because – Look, the 30-footers is a part of LaMelo's game. He's going to pull those because he can hit those. Um, And I want him to pull them. I just don't want it to be the first quarter, the first few possessions. He goes down and is like, you know what? 30-footer with someone two feet from me, that's the shot. 
he does that and you're like, oof, he comes back down, he he pulls up, you know, maybe a couple more or is trying to do too much. But um no, nah, I, I mean overall, I mean, we we've obviously hit, I know I've obviously hit kind of LaMelo and his issues, but we, we do want to spin this back positive, right? because uh, there is a lot of negative negativity around the Hornets, you know, right now within the fan base and online. But I think he's gonna figure it out. Like I mentioned earlier, once he gets his feet back under him. Once he gets used to his new teammates playing with Brandon Miller um, and just gets his feet back on him, I think he'll be fine. I do too. There's going to be that small part of me that's going to be very worried and concerned until it happens, not because I don't think he'll ever turn it around, but because I don't know what the Hornets' record is going to be when he does yeah. turn it around. Yeah. But you yeah. know, if you're looking for positivity, I'll tell you one thing that we can be positive about, and, and this is going to segue me into my next point here, Brandon Miller. Man, that guy, I mean, he's coming off of a game where he was a little more quiet, got into foul trouble early, kind of took him out of rhythm, ended up having a pretty nice box score and a decent stat line, but probably his weakest performance of the season, which is, you know, saying something because it was still a solid yeah. performance. So for that to be his worst is not a bad thing. But, I mean, he he's really been a, a huge bright spot. And, you know, obviously when you're the number two pick, you're going to be a pretty popular guy in the fan base and people are going to want you to start. I wasn't someone who was going to rush to call for Brandon Miller to start, but you know, one thing that has been plaguing the Charlotte Hornets is, is they've had these really slow starts to the games. I mean, they've fallen behind early in pretty much every game. The Rockets game was back and forth uh, at the beginning and then they fell behind to end the first quarter. So even then uh, more of a promising start than they had been experiencing, but still fell behind early and dug themselves a hole. They're going to need to find ways to stop, you know, getting in these uh, huge deficits early on and having to dig their way out of it, especially when the bench unit isn't very strong. When the starting five is coming out slow and then you're putting in a bench unit that you don't have a ton of confidence in, it's not a recipe for success. One way I do think that they could remedy that issue, especially while LaMelo is fighting through, you know, his kind of ailments here is having Brandon Miller in the starting lineup. I mean, he's been a consistent scorer. He's been a spark plug off the bench. Uh, a couple of things I think that does is one, obviously, you know, that adds some juice to your starting lineup offensively. But B, I think you can move one of Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier to that six man spot and have them kind of anchor that bench unit that you don't have a ton of confidence in. Um, so I, I want to get your general thoughts on that. But I also want to ask you, you know, if Brandon Miller were to start, who would you want to be that sixth man coming off the bench that's currently in that starting rotation who would now obviously be the first guy off the bench in this case? It's funny because I was just marinating on that, and we actually hadn't talked about this specific topic, you know, before now. Um, and I was sitting here, I was like, would I want Gordon to go to the bench? Would I want Terry on the bench? I think I would actually want Terry coming off the bench um, because what Terry is is a shot creator, man. And – that's what, when you have lineups with Teo, when you have lineups with JT Thor, you can't really rely on these guys to, you know, consistently give you offensive production. Um, but if you put Terry with that group, that's exactly who you want in there. He's somebody that can get his own shot at any given moment. Is he the most efficient player in the world? Not necessarily, but he's someone that can get the job done. And just the thought of having a starting lineup of LaMelo 6-7 at, at the one, then Gordon Hayward or Brandon Miller, either they're kind of interchangeable. We'll just say Brandon Miller at the two, six nine, Gordon Hayward, six eight at the three, PJ, six seven, six eight at the four, Mark Williams, seven two at the five. I mean, then you got some pretty good size out there. 
And then you've got the thing with Terry and LaMelo, they're both, at least at this point, are kind of like shot hunting a little bit, which isn't necessarily bad. But I do kind of like the the process and the dynamic of, hey, let's move the ball around. Let's get a great shot. And I think if you have Gordon and Brandon on the floor at the same time, that's going to be a, a team that really is probably going to move the ball a little bit better than when you have Terry out there with that starting group. Now, ultimately, we're talking about starters. At the end of the day, it comes down to how many minutes are they playing a game. And outside of the game where Brandon got into foul trouble, I mean, he's playing 30 minutes a game. So I'm not really too upset with him coming off the bench because if he's getting starter minutes, that's really the only thing I'm looking for. And at this point, unless maybe if Miles comes back and is really good, but even then, I think Brandon Miller is kind of set in stone. He's Unless he's in foul trouble – He's going to get his 30-plus minutes a game, and that's ultimately, you know, what it's about. Well, normally I'd be inclined to agree with you. Uh, it, it To me, it's usually about the total minutes that you play, not who's there when the ball is tipped off. But with the Hornets specifically struggling so hard in the first quarter at the very beginning of these games, I, I'm trying to figure out a way for them to avoid this or, or at least mitigate it a little bit. And, and that's kind of why I'm pushing for Brandon Miller to be in the starting lineup. Now, one thing I, I do think would be difficult to navigate about that, there, there, are, there are politics involved in that. I think putting Brandon Miller in the starting lineup could help while you're navigating this slow start issue. But the problem is if you want to put him back in the six-man role, you can't really put that toothpaste back in the tube. Once Brandon Miller's yeah. in the starting lineup, unless it's for an injury or something for like a game or two, you can't really put him back coming off the bench, right? So that, that is something that, you know, with the politics of being the number two overall pick, that would be hard for Cliff to navigate. If he comes in, is in the starting lineup, plays well, the team figures out their first quarter issues, and then you say, hey, you know what, Brandon's been playing well, but, you know, we really like what he brought off the bench. We've kind of figured some other things out. The team's gotten healthy. We want him to be the sixth man again. That's not going to go over well with the fan base. And I know politics with the fan base – isn't what should drive everything, but it matters. And, and the front office is going to look at you sideways if, if you do that and then it, it, it doesn't go well. So that is a potential challenge that I could see there. If he goes in the starting lineup, he probably has to stay. And I'm not saying that could that's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know if that's what the coaching staff wants to do long-term. Right. So that could be a potential roadblock. Well, I think the yeah. flip side of that argument is that, you know, what did we talk about at the beginning of this podcast? LaMelo Ball – has been struggling kind of from the get-go. So I don't know if putting Brandon Miller out there is necessarily changing that. I mean, hopefully it does. But ultimately, LaMelo has got to get right for us to start games better. I think that's the main culprit of why we're starting slow at this point. Um, and as far as Brandon Miller goes, look, he I'm the biggest Brandon Miller guy. I think that's well-documented. I, I mean, I'm a big Brandon Miller fan, right? Um, and really to this point, I mean, for this early, I mean – He's honestly even outproduced what I even thought was realistic, at least for his first few games of the season, right? For sure. Um, but to put him into the starting lineup, I really think they're going to want a larger sample size, like a 10-game, 15-game, 20-game type of sample size before you put him in there. Because there is something to be said about kind of, you know, getting his feet wet, kind of like easing him in a little bit. Now, look, if he keeps playing like he does over the next three, four, five games and you may have no choice, but, you know, after the first three games, you know, it was awesome, right? And Brandon Miller played good, you know, in the last game, but 
I almost was kind of expecting like, all right, it's not realistic for him to come out here and shoot, you know, 40, 50% from three every game and put up 15 to 20 points. There's going to be some down games in between. So that's why I'm thinking it may make sense to just continue to let it play out and get to that 10, 15, 20 mark. If he continues to look like one of the best players on the team, I think that's when you make the change. Um, but no, I, I totally get your side and, and I totally get the reasoning behind it because, you know, he's really been our most efficient offensive player to this point. And obviously we're starting slow. So get your most efficient offensive player out there. The flip side is still a little bit of a smaller sample size. Hopefully he keeps it up. Um, but at this point, there's just no way to know for sure. Like, okay, this is who he is. He's 40 plus percent from three and so on and so forth. Although, I mean, obviously I'm very optimistic about him uh, and I think he'll be in that lineup, starting lineup soon enough. But I think there is advantage to be had to continue to just let him ease in and, and not necessarily shove him in the starting lineup from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Miller provides a spark and an underrated little bit of toughness. This team's lacking toughness, and he has a little he has a little bit of a flair and a swagger and a toughness when he goes out there, and I've seen early on. I don't think ultimately they're going to put him in the starting lineup anytime soon. I'm more inclined to agree that what I think will happen is kind of what you're saying, seeing 20, 25, 30 games of a sample size before they put him in there. I think it would be helpful, at least in the short term, to kind of help patch up these ugly starts to have him out there. But because of what I said earlier about, you know, you can't put the two uh, the toothpaste back in the tube, you can't move him back to the bench once he's starting. Right. Um, right. And because it is such a short sample size, I think they they would rather just – look at it and say, hey, let's fix LaMelo. Let's have him get the the other guys more involved in the starting five and keep Brandon Miller coming off the bench. And I don't think that's a terrible way to look at it, but I do think that would be one way to, to kind of help at least maybe not totally fix, but patch up these slow starts just have Brandon Miller out there. I don't expect them to do it. I think it would be right. a fun idea to right. explore, but it'd be, it would be really hard to say, hey, we're going to start Brandon Miller for three games and then he's going back to being a sixth man. So. Yeah, I'm not envious of Cliff and his staff um, trying to trying to figure out how to solve that problem. Right. Well, and so moving on here. So other ways that I think that the Hornets can, you know, kind of ride the ship. Right. And kind of get off this this losing skid that they're currently on. Um, is just get healthy and maybe get some guys back. Now, of course, that's not necessarily, you know, immediate. Right. I mean, Cody Martin, who knows when he's going to be back. Um, he's obviously a part of that. Now, of course, the Miles Bridges situation, that's well documented. We don't necessarily have all the details, but to this point, we haven't heard anything that says he's not going to play after 10 games. Now, I'm not saying he is going to, but at this point, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that he is. Um, as far as his play on the basketball court, if you look at this Hornets team right now, you look at LaMelo Ball, you know, he can shoot. He's not a rim pressure guy. Now, he can put pressure on the defense by, you know, with his dribble moves and kind of shaking somebody, but he's not efficient, you know, at the rim. Terry Rozier, he can get to the rim. He's not crazy efficient. Gordon Hayward, you know, he's not the most athletic guy. He, he's a good player, but, again, his strength isn't getting to the rim. And Brandon Miller, as great as he's been, that's probably, like, if you could point to one thing that's kind of questionable, he's really been doing a lot of his work from the mid range inside the arc. It's not like he's, you know, taking someone off the dribble, getting to the rim, layup or dunk or whatever. A lot of that's in transition. So you have guys like Cody Martin 
and Miles Bridges, who they're probably better at putting pressure, uh, you know, on, on the back line of the defense than anyone that's currently on the four for the Hornets right now. So some of it is just waiting to get guys back, right? Because they those guys offer skill sets that, you know, to be quite honest, the Hornets don't really have right now. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, that it just seems so hard for the Hornets to get a, like an easy shot. And it's just because everything is either from the three-point line or mid-range or it's like a tough layup or like Terry Rozier is putting up like – and he's he's fairly efficient at his floaters, but still he's putting up tough floater shots and different things like that. Like nothing feels easy. So if the Hornets can get a player back, whether it's Martin, whether it's Bridges, that kind of can help you get some of those easy shots. And I think this connects back to LaMelo's that – him and Bridges on the floor, like, it, it's a joy to watch those two. The way their games are, they complement each other so well. So if Bridges comes back after 10 games, which, like I said, at this point, it seems like that'll be the case. Of course, that can change. Um, but I think that's something that, that could definitely help them. Of course, he'll probably be a little, bit of, a little bit rusty at first, but just his presence out there and, you know, being able to attack, you know, centers and power forwards and – being able to put the ball on the floor, that's something that should be able to help the Hornets out uh, big time to get a player like that back. I'm expecting Bridges back after that 10-game suspension. So I was at the town hall with the the new owners and the season ticket holders before the most recent home game. And they they were asked a few Miles Bridges-related questions, and they had some interesting little – uh, tidbits where I was sort of trying to read between the lines, whether it was when they were asked about Miles Bridges or other things kind of relating to ethics and, and character and things like that, that I'll get into some other time. But uh, specifically related to this kind of topic we're diving in on now, they did mention, and this wasn't you know breaking news, this was already out there, but they did confirm, I guess I should say, that you know, Miles Bridges is currently practicing with the team. You know, there's a legal matter being investigated, this, that, and the third. It so they confirmed that we kind of already knew that it's what they didn't say. They said some things that make me very iffy on if he's going to be here in the future, and that was just my reading between the lines on what they said. But they didn't say anything that made me feel as if he's not going to play once he's eligible to return. Right? There was nothing that they said where I could really infer. Oh yeah, they they don't want him out there uh, come game eleven. So I, I expect him to be out there unless something changes between now and then as far as like new information coming out or the legal situation. Uh, if, if things stay status quo, I think he's serving suspension and he's out there at game 11. So, yeah, uh, you, you know, you and I were texting about it during the game. Um, his rim pressure, you know, his ability just to just get some easy shots, that should also open up a lot of other opportunities for other guys on the floor. I, I think Cody Martin – He'll do the same. And he also is that three and D. I mean, the Hornets aren't mm-hmm. shooting the ball um, you know, incredibly well from three. They only, I mean, you know, PJ gets hot one night. You know, Terry's knocking down some threes, but you don't have like a plethora of three point shooters. So Cody Martin's return should definitely help that. Uh, he should also help you out on the defensive side of the floor. Um, yeah, he's just ahead. another one of those players. It's similar to Brandon Miller in a way. Obviously, he's not Brandon, but he can just help you in so many ways, winning in defense, driving to the rack, hitting three-point shots, um, point-of-attack defense, which Brandon Miller, like, he's a solid defender, but Cody Martin is 
as far as a perimeter defender, I don't think anyone's really close to, you know, the level he can defend at. Now, granted, I mean, obviously, we have no idea when he's coming back. Hopefully it's soon. I mean, realistically, I'm hoping it's by the end of the year or January of, of next year. So that's another thing. Like, who, who knows? But it, it would be really nice to have Cody Martin and his talents out there on the floor because he, he was just – what he brings to the table would just be such a nice compliment to what the Hornets have out there right now. Yeah, it's just, it's so difficult to score the ball for the Hornets right now. I mean, they've got to have some guys who can just create on their own. And you're seeing that with Brandon Miller. You're seeing that with Terry. I mean, he's getting, you know, Brandon Miller's making some kind of easy shots for himself. Terry's just putting up insanely ridiculously difficult shots and and making them somehow. I don't know how sustainable that is. I mean, Terry's always had that ability to, you know, get creative and knock down some tough buckets, but that seems like one of his primary ways. That's like one of the primary ways our offense is is putting points on the board is Terry doing acrobatic things in the air. So I I don't want that to be uh, the approach long-term here. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about other absences too, I mean, Frank Milakina, I don't know how high we are on him, but he was supposed to kind of come in and fill the Dennis Smith Jr. absence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think he's going to be reevaluated in like week four. And then from there, we'll see what the update is. But his return would obviously be huge on the defensive end. And just because I, I don't think Teo Maladon is, is inspiring much hope for us right now. I know I, I don't want to be too hard on him. I know he's got some shoulder thing he's dealing with, but. Man, I mean, he's a liability from three-point. He's not doing much um, to, to inspire hope for me, so I'm hoping Neil Aquina can come in and, and give a little bit of a boost there. Another guy I think people are forgetting about real quick, too, and, and Eric, I know you have something you want to say about Neil Aquina, but just to point this out real quick, Ish Smith, I'm not sure when he's joining the team. I know they said he's a vet, and it's kind of up to him when he you know, set, declares that he's ready. But, but I'm hoping, man, I, I'm hoping Ish is out there soon. Just to get a different look at backup point guard, you know, just because right now the Hornets are just relying on one guy uh, behind the middle of the ball, basically. And, you know, he's not inspiring much hope there. So hopefully they can have a, you know, a little platoon of backup point guards they can throw out there, depending on whose night it is. Yeah, it's Smith. He's just a steadying presence out there. And when the Hornets go to their backups and you have Teo and you have even JT Thor, your guy out there, um, you know, I like some of the things they bring to the table, but I'm also sitting there watching those lineups. I'm just like, I am not very confident that this lineup is going to have a positive plus minus, you know, compared to these other benches they're going against just because, you know, there's some things alike, but they're young players and they still got a lot to work on. Um, as far as Frank goes, I think, Missing him showed up in the Nets game more than anything. Nobody could stop Cam Thomas. Now, Cam Thomas is doing this to a lot of different teams right now. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But if you have someone like Frank out there, that's why he was brought in to begin with was to, you know, fit the Dennis Smith Jr. role and just be that defender that can bother perimeter ball handlers. And right now, yeah, we have some guys that are semi-competent, competent, but we don't have any, like, plus defenders on the perimeter right now, I would say. Um, so, yeah, missing Frank definitely hurts. And and getting Ish back, that would be big too, like I said, just to have that steadying veteran presence out there on the floor because, you know, like I mentioned, when you have Teo and Thor out there, I mean, that that's a lot of just inexperienced young guys and you're just – you don't really know what to expect from them because they're so young and they're still figuring it out and – they may have a good stretch, or but and sometimes it feels like you're almost kind of expecting things not to go so great. So, 
if the Hornets can get a little bit healthy, get some of these guys back, it would definitely be a huge boost, uh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the slow starts, when the starting five is getting uh, a nice deficit cooked up for the bench unit, and then you see Brandon Miller come in, who's obviously a spark, but then you see the likes of, you know, Tail Maladon, JT Thor, my guy. Uh, not to throw shade, but, you know, you got There's Tail. just a little bit of work to do, that's all. Yeah. Just a just, little bit. Yeah. Regressed in some areas, and so we got so we got some work to do. But you, you see, Teo, JT, and Nick Richards come in after the starting five has built them a nice deficit. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't make you feel confident that they're going to come in to be the ones to right the ship and create some momentum in the game for the first time. So finding, yeah. you know, getting and, some. And just think about it. Instead of Teo and um, and Bridges. If you replace those two guys in the rotation with Cody Martin and Miles Bridges, as far as a basketball product, how much better do you feel about that? You know, I know me personally, I'd be like, okay, you know, these guys can play. So, and like I said, Thor and Teo, they can get better. They're just not at that point right now. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully we can get some help back soon. They're, they're just not at the point where you – know, they're at the point in their careers where you can play them, they're playable, you can rely on them in spots, but – when you're leaning on them night in, night out to play big bench minutes, yeah. especially, again, you know, the, the kind of the theme of the podcast at this point, when you're falling behind early with your starting five, it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. And well, and here's how I kind of think of it, too. Would those guys get any minutes on the Boston Celtics? Would they get any minutes on the Golden State Warriors? Hell, would they even get any minutes on the Sacramento Kings? The answer is no, like they wouldn't. So the fact that those are two guys that are in a rotation, it just over the course of time, it's going to put you at a deficit. And like I said, I mean, and I've reiterated, I mean, these guys are young, can get better. But at this point, they just don't inspire confidence when they're out there on the floor. So ultimately, we just need to get some some of these guys back. Definitely. And again, I think they're playable for the Charlotte Hornets. But even for the Charlotte Hornets, who aren't at the standard of the teams that you just mentioned, for them to be leaning on them as, like, the primary bench unit, it's not ideal. You know, you you do wonder why Nick Smith Jr., outside of a a little small spurt of an appearance on opening night, which is kind of random, you know, you you do wonder if they could just roll the dice and put him out there. At times, I'm watching Teo, and I'm saying, can can Nick Smith Jr. be – worse than this. I don't want to be too hard on Teo. Again, I know he's going through a shoulder thing uh, and he's playing probably a bigger role than he was brought in to participate in. But sometimes it's like, hey, put the young guy out there and see what he can do. See if he can give you a little spark, even if it's like five to seven minutes a game. Obviously, we're not there in practice. The the cheap, easy answer is always, hey, play the rookie no one's seen, right? You know, they'll, right. they'll be amazing. So I'm not trying to be the the guy who like in the NFL always says, you know, play the backup quarterback after the quarterback throws one interception or has one bad play. But I do wonder at times if they could put Nick Smith Jr. in, you know, play him five to seven minutes a game and just see if he could provide a spark or just something, you know, just something. I mean, Teo at some points is is just so inefficient. And, and you know, they're just – I mean, they're kind of giving him the Russell Westbrook treatment. When he shoots a three, they're just daring him to shoot. They're pulling off them so far, and he's missing. It's like – I know Nick Smith Jr. can at least score the ball, right? Like, let's let's see if he can do something different and provide yeah. something to spice this offense up. Yeah. As far as that goes, I think Coach Cliff is probably thinking he wants someone that's more of a playmaker out there. And, and not that Teo is this elite playmaker. Obviously not. Uh, but 
Nick Smith is obviously, you know, he he's a bucket getter. But to your point, other than the Rockets game, I mean, really, what? How much worse can Nick Smith Jr. be um, than what Teo's been? I mean, Teo in the Rockets game definitely had some nice stretches, but. Yeah, I, I think if Bryce McGowan's is more healthy, he's probably someone we'd probably see a little bit more. Uh, but, of course, he's working back from that injury that he had re-aggravated in the preseason, too. So, you know, they're just trying to get all these guys healthy. I mean, it, you don't really think about it off the top of your head, but there's kind of a, a plethora of injuries that the Hornets are dealing with right now. So, biggest reason to be optimistic is sooner or later – you know, there's reinforcements coming sooner or later. And on top of that, LaMelo Ball isn't going to play this bad all year. You know, like you mentioned, it's just hopefully he figures it out sooner rather than later because if it's later, then, you know, then you're trying to climb back from what could be, you know, a tough win-loss record with a schedule that really isn't that tough to start out. So we definitely – the Hornets are definitely going to want to turn this thing around pretty soon because – the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher as we, you know, get into some of the colder months here coming up. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a plethora of like smaller guards on the bench right now, sideline with injuries that would certainly help, you know, to kind of like the word I used earlier, you could kind of platoon them out there and just kind of throw different things out there and throw different things against the wall and see what works. Uh, the Hornets don't really have that luxury right now. So um, you know, hopefully when those guys get healthy, Clifford and staff can get creative and see what they can do. But I kind of like where you were heading there to close it out. I mean, there there's definitely a path for the Hornets to improve. You know, LaMelo figures it out, starts playing like we know he can do. The team gets healthier. Um, you know, obviously, as far as it goes strictly on a basketball sense, uh, a Bridges return would obviously have a positive impact uh, in the win-loss column, one would have to assume. So, there should be better days ahead for the Hornets. I know right now it's a it's tough sledding to start. Seems like the sky is falling, but there's a lot of season ahead of us here, um, and, and and I do have confidence that they can they can get it turned around and start playing a better brand of ball. But uh, with that being said, Eric, unless you've got anything else to touch on, I think we've got a nice little kumbaya positivity to close it out. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed this one, yeah, man. I'm good. Yeah, and hopefully next yeah, time me we're too, talking, man. It was it was fun. It was fun. Hopefully. You know, next week or, or whenever we get back on here. Um, I know, I think, yeah, you'll be traveling next week, right? I will be traveling next week. So I won't be on here. Uh, I'm not sure what your plans are. If you're going to do a solo pod or have someone else jump on, kind of pinch hit here. But hopefully the next time you and I are talking, so we'll have a couple weeks, obviously. Hopefully by the next time you and I are talking, we'll have seen a lot of what we discussed come to fruition and we're in our mood a la the first uh, or the, the podcast last week we did after the opening night win where we were kind of buzzing and in a great mood there. No doubt, no doubt. Well, again, if you've listened this long, we appreciate you checking in. Uh, as always, please follow us on X at A underscore Hornets underscore pod. We appreciate you following us there and listening. Until next time. See you guys then.